0: housing for the homeless they must be able to put more teachers but if they don't, I don't think it's a good idea. How long it'll take to transform a senior's residence into affordable housing while the sidewalk sweeps on Hastings Street continues.
1: A lawsuit over the deadly Winters Hotel fire.
2: Our members
0: didn't understand that this procedure needed to happen and they weren't trained to do it.
1: Allegations of negligence in a proposed class action.
0: And the Vancouver school that might be sold off.
1: The VSB rules are very clear. They're
3: supposed to consider alternative community uses and they have not done that.
0: What parents are doing to stop the VSB from going through with it.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. The province announcing a major boost today for Vancouver's homeless population.
0: More than 200 housing units are being made available thanks in part to the purchase of a former seniors care facility. Global's Krista Dow is live in Vancouver with more on that facility and how soon it will actually be ready for residents.
5: Krista
6: Sophie, the the Housing Minister tells me that now that the purchase is complete, plans are in the works to renovate this 115-unit seniors facility. So this is quite a sizable purchase with about $10 million uh, having to go to renovation. So once those renovations are complete, uh, the Housing Minister in the province hopes to get folks into this building by the fall. This vacant assisted seniors living home part of the government's plan to tackle B.C.'s unaffordable housing crisis. The province committing nearly $55 million to buying and renovating Chalmers Lodge, located on West Holt Avenue, just off Granville Street.
3: The purchase
2: of Chalmers Lodge gives us another 115 units that will help people that need housing now.
6: Housing Minister Ravi Callon says Chalmers Lodge will continue to house seniors.
2: So our goal for this site will be seniors that have been living in SROs for a long time so that they can transition into this facility which is better geared for seniors, which will create more spaces available in some of our SRO spaces to get people out of shelter. So it's a chain reaction.
6: By doing so, Callon says this will free up space in SROs, moving those living rough into shelters and transitional housing, with the end goal of finding an eventual home. In South Granville, the supportive housing plan welcomed by many, but say there needs to be adequate services. They need support services on location. That's the real problem, right? There's not enough housing for people, and we need to figure out a solution. I don't
0: mind having supportive housing in this neighborhood. You know, I think every neighborhood uh, needs to
2: have uh, some sort of supportive housing. We will have support. There is 24-7 support built around this type of housing. Also close to healthcare facilities. That's why it makes it ideal for seniors in particular. It's not fair to say everyone that's coming will have drug issues or mental health issues. That's not the case. We have many people who uh, who just uh, had tough luck.
6: Those who didn't agree with the plan declined to go on camera. Meantime, the province says 95 units in Gastown are becoming available after being evacuated due to the Winters Hotel fire last year. Back in South Grandville for those who live on the streets, a home like this, something they can get behind. That's
7: a pretty good idea. Like
5: low-cost low, low housing? Yeah, low-cost. So would you think you can live in a place like that? Yeah?
7: Yeah. Yeah, why not?
6: Uh, Sophie, Chris, uh, no contractor has been chosen. I'm told that is the next step. But once this is all complete, seniors will have access to commercial-grade kitchen and lounge areas. It's uh, another step, the province says, in getting more folks into dignified housing.
0: All right, thanks for that. Krista Dowell reporting on South Granville for us.
1: And while obviously it'll take months for that new housing to come online, Vancouver remains committed to keeping downtown sidewalks clear of tents. The city says efforts to clean up the encampment have been in the works for months. And as Kristen Robinson shows us, housing is key, but supports are also needed to fully address the addiction and mental health problems.
8: Jesse Swain, who's been in a daily cycle of pack-up and move since the Hastings decampment began, says more socially inclusive, peer-motivated programs would help get him off the streets.
2: Like uh, work programming where I guess you sort of have a purpose in the day, right? we just sitting around in downtown East Vancouver like we're just falling back into addiction.
8: Citing escalating crime and increasing fire risks, the city started clearing Hastings April 5th and will continue to remove structures to ensure public safety.
1: We've been working on this for over eight months now.
8: Vancouver's mayor says from August to April 5th, 600-plus structures were removed, more than 90 people accepted and moved into housing, while more than 165 others accepted shelter referrals.
1: Every single person who's put their hand up and asked for the housing has gotten it. these challenges that we're seeing didn't happen overnight and it's not going to get solved uh, next week.
2: Everybody can agree more supports are needed for people living with serious mental health issues. More supports are needed for people living with uh, serious addiction or substance use issues to stop them from slipping through the cracks.
9: We'll transition into one of our treatment units.
8: The BC government confirms it is looking to expand the Redfish Healing Center model, the $130 million facility, the only one in the province providing both psychiatric and addiction treatment to those with severe mental illness and substance use disorders.
10: There isn't a model of care like this in North America.
8: Redfish offers trauma-informed voluntary and involuntary care. Since opening in 2021, the 105-bed center has admitted 379 clients for stays of up to
5: nine months. Planning is underway, being led by PHSA in conjunction with regional health authorities to assess how we can scale up more care and supports for people with concurrent disorders across the province.
8: With no details on when or where, For many, the struggle continues. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And just blocks from the Hastings Street encampment site,
0: a rally marks the anniversary of the deadly Winters Hotel fire. One year ago today, two people died when flames tore through that SRO building. And Agahi joins us live with more on the legal action launched today by survivors. Uh, Ahmad, claiming those responsible for the building didn't do enough to keep residents safe.
9: Yeah, the lawsuit does focus on some repairs to some fire safety systems at the building. It alleges were not done before the fire. It is also alleging that inaction may have had a direct link to the consequences of that fire.
0: As I left, I did not know that the screams that were here were my friends'
9: guys. Standing next to an empty, fenced off lot in Vancouver's Gastown, one they used to call home, Residents of the now-burned and demolished Winters Hotel gathered to demand justice. Survivors! Survivors! Out of the Winters! Fire! On April 11, 2022, exactly one year ago today, flames from a candle in a suite on the second floor broke free. Shortly after noon, flames were visible burning through the roof and the exterior of the building. During that desperate scramble to escape, one person had jumped out of the window. Five people were rushed to hospital. Many were missing. Ten days after the fire, the building was deemed a risk to the public and had to come down. It was tragically during that process that two bodies were discovered. They belonged to 68-year-old Marianne Ann
11: Garlow. And 53 year old Dennis Gay. This is a class action which really will give access to justice to the residents of the Winters Hotel.
9: The now filed class action lawsuit names a tier of property management and the city of Vancouver among its defendants, blaming them for not doing their part in defending vulnerable residents from harm,
11: claiming they could have done more to prevent the fatal fire. The key issue here is that there was another fire three days earlier, and the fire department came,
7: shut off the sprinkler system, the fire alarms weren't working.
9: The lawsuit says prior to the fire, the 115-year-old building was in a state of disrepair. It claims the city considered Winters Hotel to be among the highest-risk buildings in Vancouver, and perhaps most damning, the lawsuit alleges the city did not enforce fire safety regulations to the same standards it did in buildings with more politically, economically, socially powerful residents. Because they're
11: not perceived as having power and the ability to change things, uh, systems don't seem to work as well for them.
12: There is no difference in us. We still bleed
6: red. We still have a heartbeat. Um, Ahmad, what exactly
0: is this lawsuit seeking and what are we hearing from defendants?
11: Uh, It's
9: seeking compensation for the psychological, the physical injuries sustained by those residents in the years since the fire. The items they lost, many of which were sentimental. Now, we did reach out to Atira and the city of Vancouver. They responded to us saying they haven't had enough time to review the lawsuit, so therefore they can't comment yet. All right, thanks
0: for that. Amadagahi reporting in Gastown.
1: Downtown Kelowna business owners are blaming a safe consumption site for rising crime in that area and they're calling for some help from the government. A survey by the Downtown Kelowna Association has found an increase in homelessness and general disorder since Interior Health's Urban Outreach Health Center opened on Pandozi Street. Businesses are hoping the report will highlight the need for all levels of government to join them in working to find solutions to this problem.
2: All these things that we've been saying all along are happening, but let's all get together and sit at the same table and try and come up with some things that will help the situation.
6: It's important that we maintain access to health services, and uh, in, in working with the city and the RCMP, we've seen some good results.
1: The Downtown Kelowna Business Association agrees the situation has improved somewhat since February, but more work still needs to be done.
0: A man has been charged after a senior was assaulted in downtown Vancouver on Monday. Police say the 70-year-old victim was walking near Granville and Smythe streets at around 12.30 in the afternoon when he was attacked. Investigators believe he was knocked to the ground, kicked, bitten, and threatened. There's no indication the suspect knew the victim, who was less than a block away from home when it happened. The senior was taken to hospital.
2: We had officers who were working in the area they were able to um respond um immediately and the suspect was still uh, in the area the victim actually was able to point out the suspect uh to our officers so fortunately we were able to make uh, a quick arrest
0: the suspect 34 year old darren tomey has been charged with assaults
1: no one will be charged following an on-ice brawl during an adult hockey game last summer the game took place july 29th at the scotia barn in burnaby Videos of the incident were widely shared online and you can see one player kicking another with his skate. That man required medical treatment. Following their investigation, the Burnaby RCMP recommended assault charges, but the BC Prosecution Service did not approve those charges.
0: The jury has been sent home until Wednesday in the trial of a man accused of killing a Burnaby teenager nearly six years ago. The judge apologized to the jury at Ibrahim Ali's trial before letting them go for the day and thanked them for their patience. Ali has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder in the death of a girl whose identity is covered by a publication ban. The judge explained to the jury members that issues came up today in their absence that must be dealt with and won't be resolved today. The jury has been asked to return tomorrow afternoon.
1: Another big wrinkle in the ongoing fight over the future of policing in Surrey. Last week, Surrey's mayor claimed the Metro Vancouver Mayor Council voted unanimously in support of keeping the RCMP. But as Grace Key shows us, that's not what happened. And now supporters of Surrey's municipal force are calling for Locke to apologize.
5: Mayor Brenda Locke isn't backing down from her statement. She says the Metro Vancouver Mayor's Committee unanimously supports Surrey's decision to keep the RCMP. And a decision from the province needs to be made right away.
13: It's very misleading to the public. It's very misleading to the other mayors. And quite frankly, I think when mistakes are made such as this, an apology
5: is Owed to all of the mayors who voted on it. Mayor Brenda Locke says no objections, questions, or concerns were raised when the motion was introduced, adding, As for the interpretation of this motion by people who were not in the room, I will not be responding to them. Richmond Mayor Malcolm Brody was in the room and responded to the interpretation.
3: Mayor Locke was, she was actually chairing the meeting. So she had a lot going on, and I can certainly understand that there was some confusion but I am not mistaken in knowing what the resolution was. The resolution was to write to Victoria, uh, write a letter of support to Victoria, asking that they give Surrey an answer to the police in question.
5: Even the province who has the final say on the matter doesn't interpret it the same way as the Surrey mayor.
3: First off, that's incorrect. Uh, the letter that uh, was, uh, that is on its way to me uh, is a letter requesting a decision. Uh, not about whether it should be uh, Surrey Police Service or the RCMP,
5: the motion reads that the MVRD board provide the city of Surrey with a letter of support requesting a provincial decision forthwith. On the city's request to have the RCMP provide policing services for the city of Surrey. Global BC has reached out to Delta Mayor George Harvey who introduced the motion for clarity. He has not responded. The motion goes before the Metro Vancouver Board on April 28th for final consideration. Grace Key, Global News.
1: Keith Walry joins us now with more on this. Uh, Keith, Locke's statement has obviously caused quite the uproar. What are you hearing on a provincial level?
3: Yeah, it comes to the worst possible time for her with a a decision on Surrey policing imminent. So we talked to a number of key people over here. When this uh, news release hit last week, they're quite upset at what Locke's interpretation of this was. Again, not impressing the key people she needs to impress to make the decision to keep the RCMP in Surrey. So again, perhaps fumbling the ball at the goal line at the worst possible time. I talked to Mike Farnworth today. He tells me the decision will be made before the end of this month, just not this week or next week, but it's coming.
1: All right, well, the, uh, tomorrow the premier is holding a press conference about public safety. It's in the NIMO. Is there anything we can do that?
3: Well, yes, Nanaimo's been the center for some serious confrontations there, notably someone getting shot in a homeless encampment going to retrieve a stolen property. Uh, so it's Nanaimo chosen for a deliberate uh, situation where they've got a serious uh, situation when it comes to people with repeat uh, violent offenders being released. So tomorrow's measures are going to include some of the measures previously announced increasing the number of prosecutors on a regional basis and toughening up some of the bail reforms the federal government was looking for from Ottawa. That's taking place tomorrow. In the Nanaimo Courthouse with Premier David Eby and Minister Mike Farmer
1: at 12.30. Full coverage here and on BC1 for sure. Thanks very much, Keith.
0: Parents push back against a plan to sell their kids little school. The Queen Elizabeth Annex has fewer than 80 students, but its supporters say it's worth fighting for, and the VSB is short-sighted for thinking it should be sold. Why they're trying to save it, next on the News Hour.
1: Smash and grab at a Prince George Museum. The rare artifact the thief was after later on the news hour.
0: Also, tonight, a family shocked when a semi slams into their townhome. How they were rescued later.
1: Right now, though, a decision is expected tonight on whether or not the Queen Elizabeth Annex School site will be declared surplus and possibly sold off.
0: As Travis Prasad reports, some are worried if the school board votes to offload the property, future students will miss out.
10: Queen Elizabeth Annex is slated to shut down at the end of June, meaning the approximately 70 French immersion students would have to transfer to nearby elementary schools. The future of this Dunbar school ground is now a point of contention.
7: It's nonsensical, actually, from a planning perspective.
10: Staff at the Vancouver School Board are recommending Queen Elizabeth Annex be considered surplus to district needs, paving the way for it potentially being turned over to the Francophone Public School Board.
12: Potentially, um, it could be sale or a long-term lease, um, but that is another uh, step in the process that we do afterwards.
10: A potential sale not sitting well with Michael Hooper, and not just because his kids go to the school. The urban planning professor says the VSB can't afford to lose any school space.
7: All of the school sites are necessary, given the radical and surprising nature of urban change in Vancouver. Saying you have surplus, there's only one entity I know of in Vancouver that says they have surplus land in an economy and demography like Vancouver, and that's the VSB.
10: The school board expects to see a steady decline of kids living in Vancouver, from more than 79,000 this year to less than 74,000 in 2033. But some say that forecast is way off.
0: With the Broadway plan, with what's happening in Oak Ridge, with the Jericho lands, with
5: uh, all the development that's happening with densification in Vancouver, those, those people will come with children.
10: School Board Trustee Susie Moss says the fate of QEA will set a precedent for the sale of other school sites across the city.
0: Are we doing the right thing? Are we looking at accurate numbers? Can these sites be used for alternate uh, community or school educational uh, programs, right? And the other thing is, do have we had enough public input into the
12: process? We looked at future enrollment growth, we looked at alternative community use, and then also community feedback.
10: The VSB's decision on Queen Elizabeth Annex is expected Tuesday night. Meanwhile, the school's parents' society has filed a petition in the B.C. Supreme Court seeking a judicial review of the VSB's decision to close the school. Travis Prasad, Global News.
1: Well, it began as a way to help us all get through COVID, and now it will be permanent in Vancouver. The city voted to expand drinking in public plazas beyond the summer months. Six plazas have been approved for 2023-24. Two are in Cambie Village, two along South Granville, one at 855 West Hastings, and one at Main and 21st. Another has been approved for spring and summer only at 4th and Maple and Kitts. Mayor Ken Sims says Vancouverites have proven they can be trusted to responsibly enjoy alcoholic drinks in shared public spaces.
0: Well, for the third time since 2019, someone has defaced the Coldstream
13: Rainbow Crosswalk with paint. I think it's disappointing to once again see the crosswalk vandalized when it's representative of really inclusivity and um, acceptance and love. Really, it shows that uh, these crosswalks are needed and we need to do more education. We need to do more outreach. RCMP say the vandalism
0: of the crosswalk on Calamalco Road was reported early Saturday morning and is believed to have occurred sometime overnight. Police say they don't have any suspects, but they are asking those with tips to contact the Vernon RCMP detachment.
1: Up ahead, a parking company picks the wrong driver to ticket.
5: It just didn't seem right for us to be punished.
1: Her fight for justice when she did nothing wrong. And how Consumer Matters helps.
0: Plus, blink and you'll miss it. The new rapid bus service connecting communities on Vancouver Island coming up later. Well, no one likes getting a parking ticket, but it's even worse when it's not your fault.
1: Tonight, the story of a lower Mainland couple who did nothing wrong, but still got a ticket. And they couldn't get any help from the company until they called Consumer Matters. Here's Andrew with the details, Anne.
13: Thanks, Chris. It was a frustrating experience for the Coquitlam couple. They said they had paid for their parking and had done nothing wrong, but trying to convince the parking company of that was a much different story:
5: It just didn't seem right for us to be punished for doing everything right. Nalini Samuel
13: is referring to a parking ticket she says was issued in error. Last December during the busy holiday season, Nalini and her husband Solomon went to pick up family members at the Pacific Central Station in Vancouver. They parked out front using the Indigo parking app, a company that prides itself as an industry leader. So we parked there, you know, parked it for an hour's time and uh, it was all good. But due to the winter storm, the train was delayed, so Nalini says she extended her parking, paying for another hour on her app. But once they were about to leave the station, Solomon noticed an unwelcome surprise on his windshield.
10: And they looked at the time at, at, at which the parking ticket was
0: issued. It's what, one oh five.
13: Turns out the couple had extended their parking from 12.47 p.m. to 1.47, well before the ticket was issued. Because it was a busy holiday season with family, Nalini says, she reached out to the parking company in the new year on January 2nd to clarify the situation. She says she got a response 15 days later, stating, We have received your email past the seven days. Your dispute is now discarded. Going on to say, please appreciate that we are not in a position to make any exceptions at this time. Please proceed with the payment. Making matters worse, because the couple had missed the dispute deadline, their ticket had now increased from $65 to $90. Nalini emailed Indigo Parking again, telling the company,
5: we were not disputing it, first of all, because we have done everything right. It just seems like an error on your side, and we would like you to fix this, cancel the ticket.
13: Consumer Matters reached out to Indigo Parking on the couple's behalf. The next day, Nalini and Solomon received a full refund. Indigo Parking apologizing for the error, telling Consumer Matters, the notice has been cancelled and a refund has been processed. And we have also processed a refund for both transactions made for parking to compensate for the inconvenience as well. While Nalini and Solomon are happy to have a refund, They say tackling this issue was more about standing up for what is right.
10: What was most gratifying to us was that they they finally acknowledged what they did was wrong, and that was what was most
7: gratifying
13: and Indigo Parking also told Consumer Matters it will be reviewing the parking notice with its management team and additional training will be conducted to avoid this situation in the future. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at globalnews.ca.
0: Alright, thanks Anne. BC Transit is promising more reliability with new rapid bus service between Victoria and the West Shore. The new Blink Rapid bus route will replace the existing number 50 route. BC Transit says the new number 95 bus will have fewer stops but more frequent service. BC Transportation Minister Rob Fleming was on hand this morning commenting on how important transit reliability is as the West Shore's population keeps growing.
2: This growth is only projected to continue uh, in the near future. More and more people are choosing... Southern Vancouver Islands uh, for economic opportunities, for quality of life, and for the beauty of this place. And we also know that people need efficient, reliable tra- tra- travel services each and every day as they navigate the Capital Regional District. Public transit is essential for travel between uh, places where people work, where they live, and where they enjoy what stunning region has to offer.
0: Changes are also coming to Route 61 between Victoria and Souk. BC Transit says riders will notice significant service improvements throughout the day.
1: Just ahead, trouble on the farm. I know a lot of farmers that are about to retire or they've just basically had enough. With so many ready to leave the industry, what it could mean for our food supply.
0: Also coming up, break and enter out of Prince George Museum. The rare firearm that was stolen. An irreplaceable artifact has been stolen from a museum in Prince George.
1: Exploration Place was broken into last Thursday night around 11.30. Surveillance video shows a man smashing through the door with an axe and then running through the museum. The thief took a priceless piece of history, an old pepperbox handgun. The gun doesn't work and it has little financial value, but it is an important piece for the museum.
6: I can't
0: even express how frustrated I am. You know, it's, it's bad enough to have retail items stolen, but they're retail items. But to steal from the collection, from the community's collective memory, it's just... It's- but
3: I think this will actually bring a, a call of action for the community members to look out for one of another. Because this museum belongs to everybody in the
1: community. This is the second break-in at the museum in just two weeks. And the bill to repair the damage will run into the thousands of dollars.
0: The labor shortage that's been hitting sectors across Canada's economy is about to have a major impact on agriculture. It's already tough to find people to work on the farms. And soon the challenge will be finding people to run them. Richard Sussman reports.
4: Terry Mitchell is part of a disappearing breed, a BC farmer.
7: Everything is mounting that they're just getting to the age, you know what, I've had enough
4: farmers and their farms are slowly going away. A new study from the Royal Bank found 40% of Canada's farm operators will retire by 2033 and 66% of them do not have a succession plan. Mitchell has one in place, but he knows he's in the minority.
7: You're on call all the time. Whether it's chasing geese, chasing ducks, uh, getting deer out of the field, uh, trying to get a ditch cleaned by the district, you name it, it's every day we have a different task to try and accomplish, and then we've got a farm, too.
4: Active websites are around the province trying to find farmers and farm operators. In 2006, there were more than 167 million acres of Canadian farmland, 327,000 farmers who averaged 52 years of age. Fast forward to 2021, where there was 153 million acres of farmland, 262,000 workers, and an average age of 56.
7: There's a lot of younger people that want to start farms and they have a hard time finding land, equipment's expensive. There's, I think there's a fair amount of young people that would really like to farm, but the, the input costs are very horrendous. The report
4: found the worker shortage is so severe that the need is either
7: 30,000
4: workers from outside of the country here by 2033 or a significant increase in investment in college and university programs.
11: It doesn't matter what
4: background
10: you have. You can still be involved in the sector and I think that's what needs to be encouraged more across universities across the country. While
4: well, the number of farmers is shrinking, Canada's population is growing. Worries of food shortage is on the horizon.
7: If we have a real effort, on um, when a person goes shopping in the store ask where the local uh product is and where's it grown is it grown in vancouver is it grown in bc
4: and the more people buy product grown in bc the easier it will be to keep people growing it which is global news victoria
1: it's an aspect of health few focus on and the canadian liver foundation wants to change that cases of liver disease are on the rise And the solution could be getting to kids sooner so they adopt healthier habits earlier. Kylie Stanton has more on the mission to get ministers on board.
14: It was a birthday present like no other, getting the gift of life.
10: I did receive a liver transplant, oddly enough, on my 11th birthday, on the actual day of my 11th birthday.
14: His condition, biliary artresia, is not preventable, but so many others are. And now, 30 years later, Mohit Aurora is still advocating for liver health education.
10: There's so many other aspects that impact our liver health, more so than alcohol.
14: Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, holds one of the highest incidence rates in Canada, affecting roughly 25% of Canadians, many of them children. A massive jump from just a decade ago.
13: Over the last 10 years, it's gone from about 1 in 10 impacting about 1 in 10 people, to impacting about 1 in 4.
11: It's incredible in 10 years.
14: The Canadian Liver Foundation is now calling on education ministers across the country to make some changes, urging Canadians to sign this petition that will be sent out to officials. It states, today I am raising my voice for liver health. It is due time for liver health education to be a point of focus in existing health education curriculums.
0: So that kids understand that the choices that they're making are going to impact the rest of their life and really giving them healthy choices and and healthy options that they can take home to their parents as well.
14: According to the Canadian Liver Foundation, most Canadians can't even point to where their liver is located in their body. The BC Education and Child Care Ministry says there are many places in the K-12 curriculum where concepts related to liver health could be addressed with students. Still, decisions about the use of the Canadian Liver Foundation's specific programs and resources are made at the local level by teachers and district staff. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Advocates say changing that could turn things around. Aurora doesn't want any child to endure what he did.
7: The liver does not know how to communicate. It only tells you that there's a problem when it's too late, when it's really late. So preventative is always best.
14: Kylie Stanton, Global News.
7: Still ahead, a very
1: close call for a Kelowna family. And I just thank to God that that did not catch on fire. What happened when a semi truck smashed into their home? Coming up.
0: Also ahead, disturbing content. Disturbing content. Why (laughs) Vancouver's giant spider sculpture might be hanging around for a little while yet.
1: warning now for arachnophobes, including the one sitting right beside me. A deal could be in the works to temporarily save a work of folk art that suddenly appeared along the Millennium Line in Vancouver.
0: Spidey is mounted on a retaining wall under Victoria Drive. The piece is called Phobia. Very fitting. Mm -hmm. The city ordered it removed over safety concerns, a move that drew criticism from some people in the area. Well, this afternoon, Vancouver Councillor Peter Meisner tweeted staff, tweeted that staff have determined the artwork is safe to stay up for six more months if they can reach a deal with the artist.
1: How do we all feel about it? Thumbs up, you know, thumbs down. I kind
0: of got used to seeing it so I think I'm okay now.
1: A lot of people do. As long
0: as it doesn't move <laughs> with all those legs. This is how a spider
15: moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. So
1: All the reasons we're uncomfortable with spiders. Uh, 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 all right, wouldn't it be nice to see more sun? And actually, we got some today, it seems like.
15: Yeah, a brief, a brief break, depending on where you are. But uh, we have had a bit of a mixed bag with a few areas, even seeing some hail. I'll show you that in just a moment. And we are still seeing very windy conditions this evening. Out of the airport right now, gusts are closer to 40 kilometers per hour. Earlier today, this was captured by Mike in Coquitlam, a few other spots, even along the North Shore Mountains, capturing some hail it was isolated depending on where you were. We are going to still see the potential for a few showers this evening and then overnight tonight we do have the chance for some fog in the mix and then dissipating with some sunshine. We have had a few lightning strikes pop up in towards the interior for travelling along the mountain passes. I'll have that forecast in just a moment. But in behind it this is what we're anticipating, a nice break over the next couple of days for most areas along the south coast. Overnight tonight with some fog taking us in towards the morning hours. By the afternoon it's a mainly sunny sky and temperature will be up to 10, average for this time of the year sits at 14 degrees. Areas of concern this evening, though, along the Kootenai Pass, we're still looking at 5 and up to 10 centimetres of snow, the Rogers Pass and then an improvement is on the way. Should change over to flurries for most areas by tomorrow. Now, the northern half of the province along the coast will bump up to 6 with periods of rain. It's still wet in the coming days. Dry, though, across the central interior. Southern interior, it's really higher elevations, a few wet flurries changing over to showers. We'll still hang on to a chance for some showers near Whistle it's cooler, though. All areas along the south coast do keep that in mind, heading out the front door for the morning hours. We're sitting between the freezing mark and 2. By the afternoon, we'll get into the double digits. Slight chance for an isolated shower for Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, with the sunshine in the mix, it'll clear up, and then the potential for some showers moving in, but it's still a few days out. We'll be for our weekend so far. All right, tonight's weather window, a great shot capturing the cherry blossoms and the view from Ambleside, and this one taken by Craig. Guys?
5: Great shot. Beautiful. Thanks, <laughs>
0: All right, Squire is here now with a look ahead to sports.
11: Yes. So last night, the incredible but short career, junior career that is of North Vancouver's Connor Bedard ended.
4: Bedard pokes at the center, trying to slip the defense. He does. He's all alone. Bedard scores.
11: Now we will wait. We will all wait to see who gets him in the NHL draft lottery.
0: And coming up later, a baby and caregiver rescued after a semi slams into a Kelowna townhouse.
1: Myers here with more on the Connor Bedard lottery.
4: Well, his uh, junior career
11: came to an end last night because Regina Pats, his team, lost to Saskatoon in Game 7 of their first-round Western Hockey League series. But Bedard was his incredible self. He had 20 points in those seven games. Now, of course, he awaits the draft lottery, as we all do on May 8th, to find out who his next team will be. It'll be one of 11 NHL clubs, and the Canucks will be in that lottery. And here's another example of why everybody wants them. Although it was too bad the Canucks didn't lose a few more games down the stretch. Right now they're the eighth worst team in the NHL. Their odds to win Bedard are 6%, but they could possibly go as low as 3%, depending on what happens this week. Now, Bedard's career numbers with Regina are just as impressive as that that goal we just saw. A goal game pace... This is regular season and over two points on average per game. And remember, his junior career went from the age of 15 to 17. He didn't play as an 18 year old where a lot of junior kids start to pile up points. And it's possible Bedard will be asked to play for Canada at next month's World Championships with NHL players. The NHL players he'll play against and with in October. The uh, Vancouver Canucks who are playing Anaheim Anaheim tonight, as we mentioned, have used 16 different defensemen this season. They've recently added ones that they signed out of college. They, of course, have brought blue liners up from Abbotsford. But one guy we haven't seen yet is former second-round draft pick Jet Wu. He's a big part of the farm team, but he hasn't asked to see these allergy meds. They're killing me, folks. He hasn't been asked to play for Vancouver's blue line just yet.
2: I think I'm starting to understand um, not, not necessarily my role but, but how I need to play
10: to, to succeed And for the team to succeed
4: You'd be forgiven if you forgot about Canucks prospect Jet Wu The defenseman's first couple of seasons As a pro were more missed than hit But now in his third year And really first full season as a professional Due to injuries in a COVID-shortened season Woo is coming into his own on the blue line. Drop pass, Woo shoots, scores! Woo, 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 Jet, Woo! He's had a really great year.
3: His role, um, what he's done with his role. Defends hard, great skater. You know, he really defends the rush well. Uh, Using his size uh, to defend you know, around our net, but he's physical, he gets stops. Playing against top players in this last stretch, where we've been missing some pretty important players, playing the left side, uh, which is, you know, you don't often have to play the left side as a right-handed defenseman. It's a bit rare to have to do it.
1: He's done a great job.
4: Glowing praise for someone who had a world of expectations placed firmly upon his shoulders when the Canucks selected with the 37th overall pick in the second round of the 2018 draft. His growth as a player may seem like it's been a long time coming until you remember Jets just 22 years old. All the chat over the last couple of years is Jet Wu ever going to pan out? Is Jet Wu going to be an NHLer? I see a guy who looks like he's starting to find his way. Where's Jet Wu now the go?
2: I, I think I, I think I kind of see where you are. I've always believed in myself, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have too. And um, you know, for me, I just try to tune that out and um, kind of like what I said, just play to my strengths and, and understand where I need to be. So uh, we, we've had a lot of talks this year, and um, it's exciting where um, our team is at right now going into the playoffs. And I feel like where my game is at right now is is at a a high as well.
3: So uh, you can see how at some point he's got a chance to be an NHL defenseman, which is uh, you know it's been a great development year for him.
11: That is Layla Annie Fernandez at the Pacific Coliseum this morning, getting ready to be part of Canada's team at the Billie Jean Cup match against Belgium, which will go Friday and Saturday at the Coliseum. Rebecca Marino of Vancouver is going to be part of this team. Bianca Andrescu had to pull out with an injury. Uh, Fernandez is ranked 49th in the world right now. Canada as a team is ranked 6th, so they are favored to beat Belgium. And the Whitecaps tonight are not favored to rally and beat LAFC in the second game of their Champions League series. Vancouver is down 3-0 after losing the first game at home last week. There you go. All right. I'm back
1: in shape. (laughs) allergy meds be darned
11: you can you can sneeze
0: now squire thank you
1: a Kelowna baby saved after a semi slammed into a house touching video of the rescue coming up next
0: Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan?
10: Sophie, tomorrow the Bank of Canada is expected to announce the key interest rate will hold steady as overall inflation slows. Cold comfort though for Canadians who went grocery shopping this week and took a look at the prices. The cost of food is still outrageously expensive for many, especially here in BC. Tonight at 11 we have advice from a leading expert on how to save money at the grocery store. Plus we'll hear how people are changing their habits to cope with the sticker shock. Also an update tonight on the Vancouver property taken
1: over by squatters. Sophie.
0: All right thanks for that Jordan.
1: In the meantime drivers in Kelowna were stunned to watch a semi truck miss a turn and slam right into a townhouse complex.
0: A baby and his grandmother were the only ones home at the time. Thankfully they're okay but they did need rescuing by first responders. Claudia Van Emmerich shows us how it happened.
12: A one-year-old boy is lifted to safety and brought down the ladder by firefighters after a terrifying ordeal. A semi-truck had slammed into a Kelowna townhouse. The baby's father getting a frantic phone call at work from his mother-in-law who was also home at the time.
10: I get on the phone with my mother-in-law and she's in panic mode going crazy um, and all I heard was baby, smoke, uh, baby, the whole house shook
12: first responders rushing to the scene in the Gushigan Village area at around 10.30 Thursday morning. They arrived to find a semi-tractor trailer unit lodged into the Cameron Muse townhouse complex. Fortunately, no one was hurt. The baby and grandma were reunited with two relieved parents.
10: All I cared about is my mother-in-law and the baby. And I just thank to God that that did not catch on fire or nothing exploded, because that would have been a disaster.
12: RCMP say the semi was northbound on Gordon Drive when it appeared to be making a left turn onto Cameron Avenue, crossing three lanes.
5: Everything seemed fine. I had been following him for several blocks uh, where we were side by side, and then all of a sudden, it's like it just started turning, turning, and I just backed out of the way. I don't think he was in control of the vehicle at that point.
12: While the cause of the crash has yet to be determined, police are looking into whether the driver suffered a medical issue.
5: It
1: appears that he might have had a medical issue. Uh, He says he woke up with the fire department helping him out of the vehicle. So he's been taken to the hospital, the driver's been taken to the hospital, and we're waiting for a medical report to determine if that's the case or what happened.
12: That stretch of Gordon Drive is a very busy thoroughfare, and with a shopping center right across the street, pedestrians are often using the sidewalks.
1: All the stars aligned on this one, and... And other than damage to a, to a couple of houses, we're very lucky.
12: Two units now have to be structurally inspected before anyone is allowed back in. And while repairs and getting the semi out will likely take some time, those impacted are just thankful, knowing the outcome could have been far worse.
10: Yesterday, my kids were playing downstairs and around the whole entire house. Thank God the holiday.
1: So glad we're okay. Wow.
10: Yeah. Very calm father,
0: considering all that he he just went through. All right, uh, final word on the weather, Yvonne.
15: So we've been chatting about this. (laughs) As you're looking ahead towards the weekend, it's still a few days out. So enjoy Friday, even tomorrow, some breaks in there. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for that.
1: Sunrun ain't gonna be so sunny on Sunday. Thanks, Yvonne, and thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night.
0: Good night, all.
14: 911.
9: 911. What's your emergency?
14: Ah! No,
12: I'm on a cruise ship! Ah! There was an explosion! Oh my god, the ship is sinking! I can't get out! There's water everywhere! Who's going down? I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Huffering. Huffering. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way.
5: Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all new season of
4: 911 on a new night, Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.